0: It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. I tell you... I want to get into this this morning and, and, uh, jump into this. I know we've got a lot of different announcements that have coming through and thank you so much as we get ready for next week to have our Thanksgiving meal together and, and enjoy that time. And I know holidays are coming and we've got a lot of activities and, uh, we just pray that everybody will be safe as they travel and as everybody hopefully gets to see family and, and make some great memories. And, uh, we just look forward to this season. It, it's just, it's always wonderful to get to share it with you. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me this morning, I'm going to try to stay in one book. Let's go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. I want to stay there this morning, and this is kind of a catch-22, because what I'm preaching to you today is also what I'll be preaching to a a group tonight. Uh, Ever so often, I I, I don't do a lot of revivals. I don't really like to. I don't like to travel. It's not my... That's not my ego trip or, or not my thing. Um, I mostly turn most everything down as far as just tell guys, no, I'll find somebody else. Uh, but this is an opportunity where it's a district, and so I get about eight or ten pastors that will be there. And so as much as the people that will be there, I, I enjoy being in front of pastors and being able to to help and hopefully plant something and put something in that will uh, transform a whole church. That's kind of the way I, I like to think. If you can touch that pastor, then, man, that, that transforms everything uh That changes everything, so uh be in prayer tonight uh unless you want to drive to Batesville, Mississippi all the way up north if you 'd like to hey, just come on, knock yourself out, but that 's where we 'll be and and uh be in prayer for us tonight as as we do our very best to uh to try to energize and encourage some pastors and uh and and we 're blessed we really are that what God allows us to do and and uh we don 't take that for granted so in first Samuel, the fifteenth chapter, I want to speak this morning. On this thought, don't give it to another. Look at the person beside you and say, "Don't give it to somebody else. Don't give it to somebody else." It, it, in your life, this will always be your fight. This will always be your your uh, constant, day after day call. Because every person in here has a purpose. I know you hear people say, oh, everybody's got... No, no, everybody in here has a destiny and a purpose. Every one of you is designed to finish a course that you were meant to run and to touch others along that way. Some of the stuff that you've been through, I've never been through. Some of the stuff you were addicted to, I've never been addicted to. And I can say the same to you. There's things that I've been through you haven't been through. And, and each of us has a race that we have to run, and each of us has a journey, and it wasn't by accident, and it wasn't just by coincidence. It is part of the plan of God so that inside this room, when somebody talks about a church growing or, or a church becoming larger or or people coming, or it's not about the church. It's not about a building. It's not about what's happening is, and we try to focus on that real hard here, is to find out what every person's purpose is in their life. What is it that God's called you to do? I've got people that their purpose is to be a good husband and and, and to do Bible studies where they work, and they do an incredible job. I've got some that work at the jail. I've got some that work in coffee shops. I've got some that, that, that do different things. They're finding the places where they serve, where they have an opportunity, to touch lives, and they have an opportunity to use the gifts that God's called them to be able to minister to others. I've got some that change oil. I've got some that like to fix different things. I, I, you got ladies that love to cook things. I've got different people in different places, and and it's not... One big church, it's the different purposes and ministries, and when you put them all together, people's like, wow, you're big. No, we're really just one person at a time. Some like shaking hands. There's some out there, you don't want them shaking your hand. They don't smile. They don't they don't they're not very happy people, and if you walked in, it would always look like you're bothering them to come to that door. And like, why are you coming to why don't you walk to the other door? Why there, there's some people that don't have that gift. And so every person has to find the place that God's called them. Some like to work with kids, some like to work with youth, some like to work with adults. But the whole goal is, is to understand is that God has given every single one of you in this room a purpose. And that purpose that He's given you, that's where your joy is going to be found. That's where your genuine happiness is going to be found. Listen, somebody can invite you and say, hey, you need to come here, Pastor Lot, preach. And it'll last for a while. It, it's, it'll be pretty good for a while. And you may enjoy some of the stuff that I share and some of the new stuff that I may bring out of the Bible that that, that you saw, like, wow, I never saw it there. And, and all that's great. But listen to me, your true joy is going to fi- be found when you finally find the place you can let God fulfill the purpose. And nothing's more horrible than when you miss out on that purpose. You can have all the stuff in the world. You can have all the money. You can have a bigger house. You can have, but if you miss out on the purpose of your life, there's nobody in this world that can make you happy. There's no job. There's no amount of money. There's no bank account. Let me tell you something. There's just as many people that check out of this world. There's just as many people that become alcoholics. There's just as many people that become drug addicts that are rich just like they're poor, that, that have big houses just like they have little houses. There's just as many divorces among people that you would think they got it all. They got a pool in the backyard, of an eight-bedroom house. They got everything together and they're just as miserable as the people that live in a trailer and think we don't have two nickels to rub together. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that where you are or where you start or what you're going through, it's the mindset, have I found my purpose for my life? If I have, then I'm happy. If I have found my purpose, it doesn't matter if I've got little or I've got much, I have learned to be happy. Listen to what the Bible says. This is a powerful story. In chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, let's just walk through. and Let me show you this. Samuel said, also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people. Now this is a powerful thing. This is a great thing. I mean, you're going to be the king. And that's what Saul hears. You are going to be the king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. I remembered which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he camp came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. So he says, listen, Saul, I'm going to give you a position. I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to give you an opportunity. But really what I'm doing, Saul, is I'm giving you a life purpose. I am going to give you a purpose. you you, you got to not focus on the fact that you're a king. You've got to not focus on the fact that, that you're going to have a, a robe or you're going to have a crown or people are going to uh, entourage you. You've you got to get past all of that, Saul, and you got to remember that I have given you a purpose. I have given you a purpose. If you don't, then the entourage and all the other things are what's going to stick out to you. But your purpose is what I'm calling you into. Many times people will ask, well, Pastor Lot, what's your purpose? You're called to be a pastor. No, pastoring is just the entourage. Well, Pastor Lot, you know, you're called to, 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 to preach. No, preaching is just the entourage. If you were to ask me what I am to do, What what my purpose in life is, it's very simple. It has been the same way since I was 18 years old and I accepted the call of God. Because before the age of 18, I knew what I was supposed to. I knew what I enjoyed, but I wouldn't do it. And God says, are you ready to surrender to me? And when he said surrender to me, he didn't say, I want you to surrender to him so I can give you all seasons. He didn't say, Tim, I want you to surrender to me so I can bring Sam into your life. He said, Tim, I want you to surrender because I want you to fulfill the purpose that I called you to. I want you to fulfill what I called you to in your life. And so when somebody says, well, what is it? It's real simple. I was called, I was born, I was designed by God to serve. If you meet me, you will find somebody that enjoys sweeping the floor after the Halloween party just as much as I enjoy every other aspect. I'm not doing it for anybody to applaud. I'm not doing it for anybody to 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 be excited. I'm not doing it for somebody to say, wow man it, that, that's so neat that you'll clean a bathroom. That That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because from the moment I started years ago that was the call on my life. Tim, I want you to serve. Serve everybody I put in front of you. Serve everybody that you can. Serve every opportunity you get. And in my life what has happened is because I've been faithful to my purpose, God has given me more opportunities and bigger platforms to do what I've always done. My, my job has never changed. My job has never changed. I'm still doing the same thing today as I did when we were on Banks and Jones Street. I'm still preaching. I'm still serving. I'm still doing whatever needs to be done. I'm still toting stuff. I'm still, it's still the same, That but people say, oh, but but look, no, 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 no. I'm a professional foot washer, and I will be a professional foot washer to the day that I die. In fact, one day when they say, Pastor, you can't remember Scripture anymore, and, and you're getting long, really long-winded now, and, and, and we're ready to find a younger, better version of you. Can I tell you what won't happen? My purpose will never change. I may be the bus driver then. I may be just the janitor. I may be just shaking hands. I may be checking kids in at check-in. I don't know, but I know this much. I will be serving to the day that I die. I, I, and I don't say that to be applauded. Or, I, I'm telling you, I know my purpose. If you, want, you want me to be unhappy? Take me out of my purpose. Tell me, hey, you got it now. Just sit back and enjoy. You'll make me miserable. Look, you don't have to do all you used to do. You'll make me miserable. I know my purpose. And I don't care if I die at 55 and I don't care if I die at 85, but if I stop doing my purpose, I'm ready to die. That's the day you can go ahead and check me out because that's the day my life has no more meaning to me. And, and so you keep looking for meaning in all the other stuff in your life and you don't fulfill your purpose. If you ask my mom and dad and... and, and they, they don't do ministry anymore as far as that. My mom still visits the hospitals here. My dad pretty much just, just coming and going and, and doing. He His ministry part quit years ago. But understand, when they started, their mission, their purpose was to raise four good kids. That was their purpose in life. They had to pay the bills through ministry, and they, they touched a lot of lives through ministry. But listen to me. They never to this day, if you ask my mom, what's going on? She's going to talk about Tim, Trent, Tabitha, and Terrence. Because that's what's going on in her life. And she's going to talk about her grandkids. She's going to talk about her family. Why? Because that was the thing in her life, that if I fail at everything else, this gives me purpose. And Samuel tells Saul, Saul, God has given you a purpose to live. And here's the purpose. God has a mission, and God has a job that he wants you to do. He wants you to wipe out the Amalekites. And and, and in case you don't understand it clearly, Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has. Okay, you want me to kind of utterly destroy okay you want me to wipe them out and kind of and spare them not listen he said let me be clear to you but slay both man and woman and infant and suckling and ox and sheep and camel and donkey I want you to kill anything and everything that breathes if they have a pet frog I want you to kill the pet frog I want you to wipe out everything if they got a goldfish tank turn it over and let all the fish die on the floor I want you anything that is connected to them I I want it gone in our lives when we get into our purpose. This is the mindset we have to have. There's some of us in this room that that why in the world then does he hate Amalek so bad? Why is it that he hates Amalek and wants Amalek destroyed? Well, go with me in your Bibles to Exodus 17 verses 9 through 13. And, and let's get an understanding because let's go back to Moses' time with Amalek and let's get a mindset of why God has this, this mindset that I'm willing to pick a king and the king I'm picking is for the simple purpose of finishing something that I won't finish. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him and he sat thereon and Aaron and her stayed up his hands and one on one side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So we see the battle itself. He says, listen, here, here's what happens. Here's what's taking place. My people, my kids, are coming out of Egypt. They, they're, they're out of Egypt, but they're not strong yet. My kids are coming out of Egypt, but they're not good fighters yet. There'll come a time when Joshua will be able to lead armies, and we won't have to do all this other stuff. But right now, they're not they're not strong. They're just coming out. They're just beginning. They're just starting their Christian walk. Anybody know what that's like? When, when you just kind of, you don't have scriptures. Pastor Lott will to- tell you, hey, find some scriptures. And You don't even know how to find a scripture. You don't even know how the Bible's even, you don't know Genesis and where it even is in that book. And, and, and you're all confused. You're just starting out in the journey. And then all of a sudden, the enemy comes back into your life. You're coming out of what you used to be in. You're coming out of drugs. You're coming out of your past. You're coming out of your hurt. You're coming out of all this stuff. But then it seems like the enemy sneaks up from behind and says, but I'm going to get you here. And then all of a sudden, you you have a, a car problem. And all of a sudden, you have an issue here. And then all of a sudden your family blows up. Here I am just trying to get my life right God and why in the world is my wife going AWOL on me now. I'm just trying to do right and now one of my kids goes crazy. I'm not ready for this. I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. Well welcome to Israel as soon as they came out and as soon as they came out of bondage all of a sudden Amalek began to nip at their heels. Amalek was constantly from that moment on wanting to stop them and kill them. Anybody got some stuff in here that it seems like it's always wanting to come back from behind and always nip at you and always bite at you and always keep trying to pull you back. Yeah, you don't want to be a drug addict anymore, but man, I'm going to tell you, a joint right now would be so good. I'm telling you, I I can can almost feel what it would do. I I don't want to get drunk anymore, but I could sure use a shot right now. I, I don't want to go back, but at the same time, Amalek is always... Just just pulling at me and trying to put me back into a bondage that I've come out of. Trying to put me back. And God says, Moses, they're not able to fight this. You, you tell Joshua to go out and do the best he can. And I want you to go up on the hill. And I want you to let me fight. Listen, when we have prayer at these altars, it's not about whether you're saved or not. When I give an altar call in a little while, it's not always about, well, are you a sinner? Do you need it? No, no, sometimes it's because this week you have fought with everything you got and it's not enough. You're not winning the battle, you're losing it. You'd like to tell everybody you're winning, but you're not. It's it's, Pastor. You this week has been so bad. This week has been one doozy. This week, and I, I'm telling, you, it was all I could do to get here. It was all I could do to even get to church this morning. It was all I could do. At the enemy, even this morning, I didn't want to come. And in fact, I'll be honest with you, Pastor. If I hadn't got that one extra hour of sleep this morning, I wouldn't have been here. Thank the Lord for time change. But I'm gonna be honest with you, Pastor. It has been a week. It has been a fight. So when these altars are open, it's about allowing God to come in and fight what you can't fight. To get your hands up. To get the Moses mentality in your life. To get God on your side. Because when those hands are up and when we're praising and when we're praying, all of a sudden we're releasing the forces of heaven against our enemies and we're allowing God to defeat them and to beat them back and to win the battles that we can't win ourselves. We don't pray just because it's the thing to do. I pray because it changes everything. I pray because it'll fix what I can't fix. Pastor Lott, you know, you, you, your life and everything. Let me tell you something. My life is built on a constant raising my hands and a constant praying. My life is not built off great ideas and good strategies. and all. It is built off of many, many days in my life where I look at you and I say, I don't know what to do. I can't fix this. I can't fix that kid in your life. I can't fix that marriage problem. I can't fix what's going on in your body. I can't fix what's happening at work. But I know what I can not do. I can go to the throne room of God and the one who can fix anything, the one who can defeat anything the one who can win anything I can bring him into the battle I can allow him to be the victor of the battle, to give him the glory in the battle and I can allow him to fight for me and fight for you and we can see victory and allow God to be the champion listen in Exodus 17 beginning at verse 14 something happens then though, let's look at 14 through 16 I want to show you something And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out of the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. He said, Joshua's had a tough day. And Joshua's had a hard battle today. He's fought till the sun's gone down just to beat them back. And Joshua has fought and said, you know what, I don't know how many times we can put up with them. I don't know how many times. They're good fighters. They're hard to beat. And, and, and I don't know if I can handle this fight over and over if they keep sneaking up and they keep fighting me. And he said, I want you to write this in a book and I want you to rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Joshua, there's coming a time when I'm going to take the very memory of Amalek from all of your mind and from off of your life there's coming a time you say well pastor I was a drug addict can I tell you something if you follow God there'll come a time in your life when you can't even remember what it was like when that lifestyle was going on if you hang in there with God there's going to come a time where he's not only going to fix the problem he's not only going to take care of the enemy but he's going to take care of the memories even the memories of the stuff you went through I go through my attic sometimes, and there'll be different things there, like an old boot that uh, when I hurt my leg or something, and I'll I'll look at them, and I'll think, oh, yeah, Lord, I done forgot about that. At that time, I was praying, Lord, please help, please. Oh, the doctor says this, and and I look back over my life, and even the memories of stuff. People will come up, Pastor, you remember me? No, I have no well, 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 I was going through this years ago, and you went, oh, that's right. Well, I just want you to know, God... That's awesome. I done forgot about it. Why? Because God says the battles that you fight, the ultimate goal, listen to me, your ultimate goal in here today is not to get to where you can go to church and just manage it. The goal that God wants for your life is to be able to one day be able to be so far out of it that even the memory of it doesn't bother you anymore. Even the memory doesn't bother you anymore. Old movies that you used to watch, forgotten. Old songs, forgotten. But here's the thing. You got to have a mindset that it's going to be removed. That it's going when that time comes. When I get the opportunity, God, I am going to get rid of it. I'm not going to tote it around. I'm not going to carry it around. I'm not going to rehearse it in my mind. Listen, don't be writing in your diary how bad it is. Don't be just just memorializing how bad it is. There's certain things I don't do. I I I know I may be odd. I talked about this Wednesday. I don't go to graves. I've got grandparents. I've got other I'm not visiting graves. He's the God of the living. They've done run their race. I'll see them in heaven. Till then I gotta deal with the living. I'm not gonna cry every two what's wrong? Well, I was just thinking about grandma. Grandma's gone. Let grandma go. You got three people you need to be crying about that are alive right now that need your tears. Grandma don't need your tears anymore. Let it go, even the very remembrance of Amalek. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from... Let let me explain this. People always ask about generational curses. Let me explain to you what generational curses are. Any, anybody got, got stuff in your life? I mean, you, you're old and I can't ask you young people because y'all, y'all wouldn't know it. But, it, but if you're older, you know, man, just like my papa, just like my mom or my dad, or just I am struggling with the same junk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The same stuff that attacked my mom is attacking me. I mean, she dealt with depression, or she dealt with this, or she dealt with anxiety. She dealt with, and all of a sudden now, here it comes, and, and I'm having to deal with it. They, I, I come from a sickly family, and now all of a sudden, here I am, all my health is falling apart. I, I, I come from this, I come from that. I've got a heritage about me that all of a sudden, I have got to realize that from generation to generation, Amalek is going to try to keep fighting in my life. So what's so important is is that I'm trying to get to that moment to where I can cancel it out, to where it doesn't transfer anymore and it doesn't have a remembrance anymore that some of you in this room, listen to me very carefully, some of you in this room, you were called to be the last generation that that is supposed to transfer into your life. I know your papa was an alcoholic. I know your dad was an alcoholic. I know y'all ate rum cakes nearly every weekend and and, and fuzzy navel cakes and and poured alcohol on everything you ate. I know all of that. But God, when he got a hold of you, said this is where it ends. It ends in your generation. It ends with you. There's not going to be. You're going to throw away the recipes. You're never going to make another fuzzy navel cake. You're never going to make another rum cake. You're never going to like alcohol. You're not even going to keep alcoholic vinegar in your cabinet anymore everything is coming out through you i know their lifestyle i know that you got divorce running through your family you don't even know hardly anybody in your family that's not divorced and here you are you got married and you done met bill oh i've been waiting for bill and i'm not going to be like my mom i lived in all that junk i'm not going to be like my dad about two or three years in you done not start to realize bill ain't all you thought he was Bill's got some issues, and now all of a sudden, what becomes natural to you? Because it's been in you, and it's been through your system. It's what my mom did. You know, she kept saying, you can't trust no man. Don't ever think you trust a man. That was put in you. You had a dad that was a no-show. Now here's Bill. Oh, Lord, what have I done? And it taking everything in me to let that die so that my kids don't ever have to grow up with any understanding. what it's like to be in a broken home. Let me tell you something. The Amalek's, they fight from generation to generation to generation. You think, well, I'm telling my kids, don't do what I do. Let me tell you something, idiot. Just call you an idiot right off the bat. Amalek is coming after them. Because of what you won't deal with, he's coming after them. You got to decide. I may have to die, but it's going to die with me. I'm not going to allow my kids to go through one more generation one more. They're not going to see me the way I saw my family. They're not going to deal with what I had to deal with. They're going to grow up in a totally different mindset. And and he tells Joshua, Joshua, you keep this in their mind. There's coming a day that they're going to be wiped out. There's coming a day when they're going to be removed and that generation is going to be the generation that takes them off the map. But what has to happen in our lives is we've got to decide, devil, you can pack up your toothbrush. You can take your bottled water. Everything you've brought into my house, everything you've brought, everything you've brought in, you get it and you're getting out you got to have a mindset. When you decide to do this, when you decide to fight and win true battles, you got to have the mindset that I mean I'm not playing around. I mean everything that brings it to the back. When, when, when you come from a divorced background, you got to decide that word will never be used in our house. We will never use that word. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care if we both got black eyes and we're just sitting here on the floor cussing at each other. I don't care. That word is not Coming out, we are never going to go that route. I am not losing that battle. You say, hey, Pastor. Well, now you understand Saul. Because let me tell you something: it's not easy when God says, "I want you to wipe it out totally." It changes things when you want to wipe things out totally. Oh, we love the results. We love the, the good that it can do. But but man, getting there. Go back with me to First Samuel again. We'll pick up at verse four. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them and, and till them 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Oh, he's ready. But listen, something has to happen. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For they showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among them. Listen. This is why it's hard, because there's got to be some things that you've got to decide, look, I'm not playing. The enemy is hoping that he can mix in and mingle in and put in enough stuff that your life is so intertwined that it's too hard. I, I know, Pastor, I, I want to quit drugs. I really do. I, I, I want to quit using them. I want to quit. I, I want to. And I know what you're telling me, Brother Lot. I want to delete every person on my phone that I do any business with. Can we be honest? You know you got them on your, you, you you keep up with them. They're your friends, and some of them are. Some of are people you just ended up mixed in with this thing together, and 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 along the way you both said to each other, "Look, look, we 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 gotta quit this." Remember that? You've told people we we, we can't keep doing this. We now there's some of them that you just know, Lord. But there's some of them it's like, man, he ain't really a bad person. You know he smoked a little marijuana every now and then. I mean he just he ain't bad, but he don't do a lot of heavy drugs. It ain't like he would hide them in my car like some of my friends. Those got to go. But this is just my buddy, my running buddy. You know, we, we play golf together. We we hang out together. We, we do different things. I mean, we, we ain't, he ain't that bad. Saul gets to the Amalekites and he tells the Kenites. he said, listen, you've been good to me. You haven't been bad to me. When we were coming out of Egypt, you, you were good. You didn't get me in this mess. You probably told me a thousand times, you need to quit. Hey, let's me and you quit. You, you, you've been my friend, but listen to me. I'm telling you today that it's over. That if you're still running with them drug dudes, and I'm coming out today, then you can be deleted, defriended, and don't come by my door anymore. Because today, it's all going by. Think about it. Some of you in this room to make that decision to give your life to God totally. It's going to take. It's going to take a decision. You're going to have to decide. This is the purpose of my life. This is the reason I'm alive. This is the reason I'm here. This is the reason I have breath in my body to conquer, to overcome, to be victorious, to be able to take the stick one day that was used on me and one day be able to beat the enemy back with it and say, Oh no! Not only are you not going to destroy me, but you're not going to destroy my friends and you're not going to destroy my family and you've got to have a mindset that I was born for a purpose, that I'm not just breathing and I'm not just living, but I was born for a purpose. The Amalekites, they're going down, but you kenites I'm giving you one warning, I'm giving you one time, listen, this is what's fixing to happen, you better get packed. The Bible says they looked over at each other, you better get that suitcase, Lucille, and they got packed up and they got out of town. And then the Bible says immediately after that, he attacked the Amalekites. Notice what the Bible says. And Paul, Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to as to Shur, that is over against Egypt. Man, he, he wiped them out. Or did he? But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy it. They decided, you know what? There's some good stuff. I can't tell you how many people, I, I had one guy years ago, I guess it sticks in my mind, he, he would come from a very alcoholic family, and God delivered him. I mean, bam! I mean, everything I've talked about, God really did, did everything, family was doing good, kids doing good, man, it was awesome. And one time, his blood pressure started going up a little bit, and he went to a doctor. The doctor said, well, have you changed anything about your diets? Have you changed? He said, well, I, I quit drinking. He said, God delivered me. I quit drinking. He said, he said, well, how much? He said, I used to drink this and this. He said, oh, you can't do that. He said, you'll die if you do that. He said, here's what you've got to do. He, he, he said, he said you've got to buy a six-pack or whatever and keep it in your fridge. And he said, when that blood pressure starts and you just kind of have just take one. This was a doctor. This guy went to school for eight years to tell him this stupidity. Just take one. Within a year, within six months, within three months, I've never seen him in church again. I've seen him drunk at ball games, but I've never seen him at church again. Listen to me. When God says, kill it, don't let it rob you of your purpose. He is not saying it as a suggestion. He's telling it because he's saying, I've got purpose and destiny. And if you don't get rid of the Amalekites, they will kill you. They will destroy you. They will keep eating away at you until there's nothing left of the person that you know you're supposed to be. Go with me to verse 9. Here's the four things. Here's the four things that Saul did. And if you're not careful, here's what you'll do. Listen to me very carefully. Here's, Here's what we'll do. Number one, we will first start out in disobedience. There'll be something that we know God told us we needed to do, there'll be something we know needs to change, something we should have taken seriously, and I mean with everything we had dealt with it. There should have been something that we were supposed to do because God made it really clear. I have given you life, I have given you a mind, I have given you everything, and I've told you to do this. Verse 9 says it very clearly. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, of the fatlings of the lamb, and all that was good, and what? Would not. It's not from knowing, it's not from Actually, having been told, it's just they decided, I just can't do that, Brother Lot. I just, I, I just can't do that. I, I just, you don't understand. It's going to cause too much problem. I can't do that. I understand. I've told you about issues in my life, and, and, and I have a phone right now that has blocks on it. Some of you send me videos or pictures or different things like that. I can't get any of them. Because when God said, kill the Amalekites, you know what I had to do? I had to kill the Amalekites. And so there's a blocks on my phone that if it's any kind of video, any kind of this, I can look, even Scripture sometimes I can look at it. If it sounds too risque when I punch it in my phone, it won't even pull up the Scriptures I'm asking for. And and you say, well, you ought to be stronger than that. Oh, I was. I was so strong that I killed every single thing that had any life. I, I killed everything that was bothering me, anything that could hinder me, anything that could catch me from behind. That's how strong I was. When he said, Tim, kill it. Well, Lord, you know, it'd be all right if I just leave a computer in my office. Because, you know, I study with that computer. Tim, you don't need to be sitting in no office with no computers. Can I tell you what the number one problem among ministers are right now? I didn't say the word. I said ministers. Put a computer in their office and let them sit there. I'm not saying all are bad. I'm telling you the number one problem among it. When they do the studies, they say, here is my number one problem. Well, it's a real quick fix, isn't it? Well, no, I got to have, because I need that to find what I'm going to preach about. Well, if you get rid of that thing and God delivers you, you'll have something to preach about for a long time. You preach that one sermon all over the world. I'm going to tell you how God delivered me. And all it took was me unplugging some stuff. In your life, he wants us to be obedient. Go with me to verse 10. I'll show it to you again. This is how God saw it. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying, I repent. I repent. That I set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me. He's disobedient. It begins in our life from something that we know we need to do this morning. There's something in our life this morning that needs to change. I, I years ago, used to try to come up with these fancy sermons and all these cool things. And I, in fact, when I first started ministering, that was what I was asked. On a sheet they said what would, what do you want to do in ministry what do you and, and I told them I said, I want to preach that sermon that changes the world you know I, I, in my mind, I thought there 's got to be that so you know I used to hear uh, Jesse Duplantis, what in hell do you want? I, I had the CDs and the cassettes of all these cool, and thousands of them were transferred. Off, and I thought, man, the world's being changed by these sermons. I want to preach one of those sermons that, that, man, it just ends up 20 million of them all over the world. And that one sermon changed. And I have grown to realize sermons are going to come and go. In fact, to be honest with you, there's not anything in this room that you don't already know what you need to do. There's not a one of you in this room that doesn't know what it is they need to do better. They need to fix or correct or change. There's not a one of us in this room. The question is, will I be obedient? Will I decide this morning that God, I'll do it? He said, said, I have this against him. He said, he's turned his back on me. And number two, in verse 11, he says this, he has not performed what I asked him to do. Think of that. When we hurt God, it's not because we've done some horrible sin. It's not because we messed up. We all mess up. We tell you what hurts God is when He comes to the conclusion that listen, I can tell Tim and tell Tim and tell Tim, but Tim will turn his back on me and he won't do what I ask him to do. That's what breaks God's heart. Well, I'll do it when so and so. No, no, no. I asked you to do this. You got married, right? You made a covenant with God. He said, well, what do you need me to do, God? I want you to love Him till death do His part. Are you dead yet? No. Well, then you've got to keep loving Him. Well, I mean, it ain't been a good thing. Is sickness the problem? Is debt the problem? What's the issue? I, I, I covered all that. In sickness and health, for better, for... is it gotten worse? Well, you made a promise. For better, for worse. I, I, I signed you up, and you said you would be obedient. So why are you turning your back? And why are you not doing what you said you would do? You said you wouldn't date a boy like that. Do those kind of things. You said you wouldn't date a girl like that and act that way. He said, "Lord, if you just bless me, I, I I won't watch that kind of stuff. I won't listen to that kind of stuff. I won't. What hurts God is not these quote sins. It's the heart that says I've turned my back and I'm just not going to do what He's asked me to do." Number two, the second thing, verse twelve and thirteen, the second thing that Saul does is moves us into the next phase of our life because to be able to live with this, because right now some of you are very uncomfortable, and I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. In fact, I don't have no idea what you and God are wrestling with, but whatever it is, that's between y'all. But what will happen is it will move you into number two. Number two is denial. Verse 12 and 13 says this, And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, say, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he has set up a, up a place and has gone about. In other words, he done built a monument for himself, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and said to him, and notice this, and Saul said to him, blessed be thou the Lord. Ain't it a great day, Brother Lot? Pastor Lot, I'm telling you, it's so good to be in the. Some of you this morning been singing, and you were clapping, and some of you were going through all the motions. And, and Man, I'm telling you, it's a great day. You even gave in an the offering. And Man, it has been a great day. God is good. How you doing today, Brother Lot? Oh, if it's any better, I have to sell some of it. We get all the cliches. We got our clothes right. And- and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Boy, he didn't he didn't even slack up. He just straight up denied it. I've done it. Verse 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed that which you've asked me to do. Here's how we live in denial. We tell everybody that it's okay. Look, look at the person beside you and practice it a little bit. Some of y'all aren't very good at it. Just look at them and just say, Everything's okay. You've you got to practice to get good at lying. Hey, it's okay. Psh, everything, it's good. Everything's good. you got to get good at, at denial because you got to be able to smile and know when to cry and when not to cry. you got to be able to hold it together, when to turn it on. Some of y'all coming in this driveway today, man, you're like all over the place. And all of a sudden it's like, all right now, it's church time. All right, we'll talk about that later. But well, how y'all do it? Fine, fine, enjoying this beautiful weather. Why? Because we get good at saying it's okay. And God can't do anything because we're wanting to hide it. I've been there. There's stuff in my life for years. I sat in church hoping it would just go away, hoping I could hide my way. Stuff that I shared with you a few minutes ago, I wished it would have just gone away. Why can't it just go away? God said, Tim, as long as you keep saying it's okay, and as long as you keep playing with it, and as long as you keep hoping that the Amalek's won't attack, you'll keep getting defeated. Number three. Pride, pride. Now we think of pride all swollen up, All, but listen to me. Go with me to verse 24. Verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. He, he first, in pride, we blame somebody for it. I'm going to tell you the hardest part of trying to win people or deal with people in ministry today. It's really nobody's fault. That's the hardest thing to deal with. It, it was somebody else's fault, brother. Lot. I'm just having to deal with what somebody else did. The only reason I'm like this is because what somebody did to me or what somebody said to me or what happened to me. I, I, I'm this way because the way somebody picked on me or something happened to me. And you got every kind of movement in the world. And some of them are great movements like the Me Too movement and different things that are trying to deal with abuse and different things. And I I hope that they pull out all these people that are hiding and and abusing people. I hope that they catch all of them. That's not what I'm talking about. But the fact is, is that if you think that's going to cure what's inside, if you think that's going to all of a sudden make it better, it's not. Because sooner or later you got to quit denying and say, the only reason I'm not moving on with my life is me. The only reason I'm not moving forward is me. If greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, then that means that nothing the world has done or can do can stop me from being me. I don't have to be a victim of whatever it is the world says wrong with me, whether it's I got the wrong color, I got the wrong shape, I'm too plump, I'm too skinny, I'm too this, I'm too that. Whatever it is, I'm not a victim. I just simply have to quit blaming and denying and saying that it's somebody else's fault. Yes, somebody hurt me. And yes, the Amalek's attacked. And yes, they've caused me some damage, but they have not stopped me from going into my Canaan. If I don't go into my Canaan, it's because I choose to. If I don't go free this morning, it's because I choose to. And listen, when we talk about this, not only does he change in pride, but pride will cause you to change your mission of your life. He was called to utterly wipe out, to utterly destroy, to utterly take care of, but he says, you know, the reason we didn't kill everything because we wanted to bring some of it back to sacrifice to God. Well, I don't know if we ever sacrificed donkeys and camels. You brought back everything, anything that was good. You didn't bring back just sheep and oxen. You brought back anything that had value. You brought it back. Only the bad stuff did you destroy. No, you can't make excuses and you can't change the mission. Your mission was very simple. Destroy everything. Number four. The saddest part is, when we get to this point, go with me to verse 32, and I'll show you the saddest part. And Samuel said, bring Agag, the king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him and cautiously, and Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. In other words, hopefully, you know, they're through killing everybody. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women's children or childless, so shall your mother be childless among women and Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Well what's what's the problem, Brother Lot? Go back with me to verse twenty four, and let's start reading. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words because I feared the people and obeyed, but see they don't cover it. You can't keep blaming, you can't in pride, you can't Now therefore uh oh, I pray thee pardon my sin And notice who he's talking to. He's not talking to God. He's talking to who? Don't don't hold this against me, Samuel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return unto thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned about to go away, and he laid hold upon his skirt and his mantle, and he tore it. Saul grabs him and says, Don't leave me. Don't, Don't go out. This is the moment, right? Saul's fixing to fall on his face, and he, he rents his clothes, and he's fixing to say, don't, don't leave me, Saul. Samuel, don't leave me. I, I'm sorry. I, God, I'm sorry. I, I didn't do it right. God, I'm sorry, but I'm going to change. God, I, I, I promise I'm not going to. That's what we're expecting. Samuel said to him, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to your neighbor. And I love this, because if you're prideful, he just kind of adds this in. Who is better than Saul, the saddest thing today is that you lost your purpose. When you leave here today, Saul, you'll still be the king for a while. But Saul, you lost why you were living. The God-given purpose of your life you did not want to deal with. I wonder many times how many times people have to come in church and out of church and in church and out of church before they finally come to the conclusion. As a pastor, that's always the hardest part for me. I'm hoping that this time they finally but they walk out. This time, they, you know, so and so's coming back to church this Sunday. Oh, that's so good. That, you know, Pastor, we need to be praying. They got, I know it, I know it. They got a lot of stuff. We, we just need to believe that God's gonna. Is this gonna be it? Because what's gonna happen is, is that if they eventually don't settle it, if they eventually don't deal with it, if they eventually don't, then God will move on and do it with another. I'm gonna tell you something. In about two years, in this, in this church, 24 years ago. There were six pastors that came through in about a year or two years before I ever got here. Six good pastors, great men, nothing wrong with them. They just just couldn't get it going. This, this church could have been built by numbers of different pastors, numbers of different. I, I promise you when they called me in Elise and said they had a place for us in Forest, Mississippi, believe me, there was 80 different pastors in the state that didn't have a place to preach. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted to move to Forest. Nobody wanted that purpose. When I moved to Forest, one of the first things I told them, it wasn't but a year in, nearly, and I said, Guys, God sent y'all some wonderful, wonderful people, some great pastors that loved you and did. I said, Now he sent me. And I really don't care if you're here or not. I'm just telling you where we're going. What are you saying, Pastor? When I came, I came because God says, Tim, I got a purpose. Can you handle a purpose? See, what people didn't know was 15 years before I showed up, they did prayer meetings every once a week and prayed that God would ignite and send a revival to Forrest through their church. I got to meet three or four of them. I got to bury four or five of them who, who would talk. Pastor, we used to pray. We used to meet here every Monday night and we would pray. We didn't even know how God was going to do it. We were just trying to keep the doors open. we believed that God was going to send a revival. When I moved here, there was different people that were so old and so so broken down by then they couldn't even come to church. They were in pens and different things. They were older people, bedridden, and I would go and ride with different people and they would say, I want to go show you, brother so and so. He says, You gotta come over. And I would go over there and he'd have his tithe check and he'd give it to me. He said, He said, You're Pastor Lot. He said, I've been praying and waiting for you. I've been listen to me. There was a purpose way before I ever arrived. There was a reason way before I ever got here. It was just a question of whether or not I would finally dig in and say, I'm not going to let somebody else do it. I'm not going to let somebody else win. I'm not going to let somebody else finish it. Saul decided within him, I don't want to do it. Listen to what he says. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to your neighbor which is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned. Now notice he doesn't fall on his face and say to God, God, I'm sorry, I've sinned, forgive me. He doesn't say that. He looks at Samuel and says, Samuel, I've sinned. But I pray thee before the elders and my people, honor me. And turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. Let me tell you about your life. You can't live a church life very long without purpose. Eventually, it'll become their church, their stuff. Well, that's where I go to church. That's my preacher, not my pastor. Why? Because the last phase, number four, is I become an imitation, and I learn to just imitate. We showed up this morning and jumped. We showed up this morning, and clapped our hands. Man, what's singing? Ooh. Awesome. I'm telling you, we we came in shaking hands and, and, and we got our good clothes on and we got. Listen to me. The most important thing that ever happens is not what's going to happen in this room. It's whether or not I can walk out of this room today and I can finish the purpose that God called me to. See, God says, Tim, I don't care whether you preach a sermon today. I want to know can you leave here today and keep serving? Because that's your purpose. Can you love somebody, Tim, that ain't lovable? Can you keep throwing seed a little bit more, Tim? God, I'm telling you, I'm tired. I know you're tired, Tim, but what I need to know is can you finish your purpose? Can you still love people? Can you still hug them? When they meet you, Tim, do they still know Pastor Locke cares? Tim, what I want to know this morning is can you finish what we started a long time ago? The Amalekites, Tim, are going to fight from generation to generation. There's another generation coming up, Tim. you got to teach them. you got to show them how to love and how to serve. you got to show them how to fight. This morning. Of all the things I hope never happens to you, I hope that you never become somebody who tries to say, God, I just can't do it. I hope you never grow into the person that says, God, I, you know, I, I did my best. I hope you never become somebody who lives in denial. I hope you never live as somebody who's blaming others for your life. And I hope with all of me, I hope that I never shake your hand at the back door and you're just an imitation of what God called you to. I hope that you are the real deal. I hope that you're genuine, because God's got a purpose. Saul lost his kingdom. The title of this sermon was, Don't Let Him Give It to Another. David was not the first pick. David was the second choice. David one day will marry his daughter. They'll bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city, and David will dance like an old shepherd boy would. He's going to get a little undignified because he ain't coming from the king's side. He's just still an old shepherd boy. And Saul's daughter is going to say, why do you do that? You've made such an embarrassment of yourself. And he's going to look at her and say something very profound. He said, listen, I didn't come from this. I wasn't supposed to be here. But only by the goodness of God did I make it. I wake up every day of my life realizing there are people more talented than me, got more plaques on the wall than me, that, that can speak better than me, they can sing better than me, they can do. And I still get up every morning with excitement because of this one thing. Maybe I wasn't God's first choice, but I was willing when God called. Maybe I wasn't his first pick, but I was willing when he called. I'll be God's David. I'll be God's second choice. I'll be God's whatever. I just want to fulfill the purpose that God called me to. Will you stand? If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, that's me. That's me you're talking about. There's stuff that's under the cover that nobody knows. I'm not trying to embarrass you tonight, but I, I am trying to embarrass you. I'm trying to tell you that it, it's time to quit hiding. It's time to quit blaming. It's time to quit quit imitating. It's time to just say, you know what, God, it's me. I want to fulfill my purpose. I don't care if I'm a minister. I don't care if I'm a singer. I don't care if I'm a teacher. I don't care if I'm just a mom, a dad. I don't care if I'm whatever it is. I want to fulfill my purpose. I don't want somebody else to have to raise my kids. I don't want somebody else to have to teach them what I didn't teach them. I don't want somebody else to have to be the husband that I'm not. I don't want somebody else to be the wife that I'm not. I don't want somebody else to take the place. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, it's me. Then don't do it like Saul. Don't tell me. I've messed up. Do like David did when he was caught with Bathsheba. He fell on his face. He said, I've sinned against God. It wasn't the prophet he was worried about. It was his father you're in this room today and you say, there's something I need to fall on my face about, Brother Lot. There's something I need to talk to my dad about. There's something that I need to fulfill my purpose, and if I keep going, I'm not going to fulfill it. Then you step out. If it's a couple, hold hands. Come together and say, we got to, we've got to go back. I don't care who you are or where you are. This morning is all about the decision that I'm not going to give it to somebody else. Nobody else is going to fulfill it. I want to fulfill what God's called me to. I want to finish what God called me to. I want to be what God called me to be. Don't, don't. Don't just push me to the side, God, and go find the next Tim Lot. Don't just push me to the side and find the next preacher. Don't push me to the side, but God, let me one more time remind myself of the purpose in my life. If I were to ask you today, what is your purpose in life? Do you know it? Are you fulfilling it? Are you fulfilling it? If I can get some to just come behind these and not to bother them. They're talking to the Father. Just lay your hands and just, just let them know that, hey, We've been there. We've been there. We've been there. We've been there. We understand. It's, it's a journey. It's a journey. And what you and your father are working out this morning is good stuff. It's good stuff. There's a David in you. You're not a Saul. You're a David. You're not a quitter. You're not going to just imitate. You're not just going to go through the motions until we read about it in the Scott County Times. You're going to live it out. You're going to fulfill it. You're not an imitation this morning. You're the real deal. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, right now, Father, there's change going on in this room right now, and it's beautiful. There's change going on in this room right now, and it's beautiful. There's change going on right now, and it's beautiful. We're not going to be the same. We're going to kill it today. Today, we kill it because today is the day God said it doesn't go to another generation, it doesn't go to another day. Today's the day we wipe it out. It may try to nip at our heels another day, but it'll never, it'll never defeat us. Never again. Until finally there's not even a remembrance of it. Until where there's not even a remembrance of it. The person I was yesterday, I'll never be again. The things I thought, the things I did, I'll never do again. Brother lot that's a bold statement. That's a God statement. I'll never be a depressant again. I used to be that. I'll never be that again. I used to be an addict in different ways. I'll never be that again. How can you say that? Because God said, to Tim, I'll take away the remembrance. I'll get you so far past it. I'll move you so far. David, you'll never take care of sheep again. You'll never have to worry about it. Somebody will take care of sheep for you, but you won't ever have to do that again. You'll be a king. God's got that for you. Father, I praise you and I thank you. Father, for everyone in this room, as we dismiss and these continue to pray and just continue, they just continue. There's life change this morning. Listen, for you at this altar, it's not about just the emotion. It's about what's going to change today. When you leave this room, what's changing today? Let God speak to you and have the boldness to go do it. What's changing today? He's not just talking to you to make you feel better. That's where we get caught up in our routine. I'm thankful for the anointing. I'm thankful for the power of God. I'm thankful for how. But listen to me. Before you get up from that altar, make sure you know what's changing today. What has to change today what, what What has to be unplugged today? What has to be done today? What's got to be deleted from my phone today? what's got to happen today what What do I got to change today about me? I got to wipe it out. Father today, thank you so much for your great people. thank you for this church that allows me to pastor. thank you for Lord just just all the ministry you allow us to do i am I am a blessed person, and I do not take it lightly every day. Thank you for the love and thank you, Lord, for your love on us. Allowing us to be part of your kingdom. I ask that every purpose under this roof be completed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Go give the devil fits.